It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. And it's time to turn to a man who has uh, spent most of his life as a spy. He worked for the CIA for a long, long time. Now he's the chairman and CEO of Portman Square Group. I don't know what they do, but I know if I were in deep yogurt or being held hostage there, the one phone number I would give them would be Mike Baker's. Mike Baker, uh, we have to talk about the FBI raid. We have to talk about federal law enforcement. How big has government gotten how much power does the FBI have and what stands out to you when you see all of this unfold Mike Baker welcome to Kennedy saves the world thank you very much and uh, I appreciate that lengthy uh, intro we now have only a minute left in the show thanks for coming um, Mike it's been great yeah. and we'll talk to you next <laughs> time safely. brought to you by Nabisco <laughs> excellent yeah strange times we're living in right now they keep getting stranger so when you saw this raid unfold, obviously this has never been done before. The home of a former yeah. president has never been raided by the FBI. Uh, Secret Service let them in the door. Coast Guard was sitting in the bay, some guns hanging out, uh, just getting rad. What what crossed <laughs> your mind? Because when I see something like this happening, the first thing I think is, you know, this is overreach, potentially political retaliation and this aspect of law enforcement has gotten too powerful Uh, obviously you see it from a completely different angle are you a little bit friendlier in coloring this story in your own brain well you know i i have some very good friends who are at the bureau uh who are uh, special agents at the at the bureau and i you know, I have a great deal of respect uh, for them and what they do. I don't know anybody sort of in the upper reaches of the bureau at senior levels. So I can't really speak to, you know, how politicized or not the, the, the bureau's gotten uh, over the past few years. Uh, but when I when you see something like this, uh, there's there's a couple of things that stand out. One of them is the continued uh, inability, it seems, of this administration to get a messaging, uh, you know, uh, process in place, and to understand the impact of something that may happen and how to get ahead of it, right? Because all they've done uh, by conducting this this raid search, however they want to phrase it, apparently it's they don't like to use the word raid. Of they course like they don't, because word. it's politically yeah. inconvenient. It makes them look <laughs> exactly. bad, like you know they've they've got guns and they're just bursting into doors, taking whatever they want, which sounds like which that's pretty much what, what happened. Yeah, that's pretty much what they did. Yeah, right. So so words seem to be a problem for this administration, whether it's that or in inflation and that what you call inflation. But I, the the idea that they would go this long, uh, three days into it, without having any official comment from Merrick Garland. And then when he comes out now, admittedly, he's constrained somewhat, as he pointed out, by the law in terms of what he can say. But he's in charge and he's got some leeway within there to actually provide some sense of, oh, look, the government or the DOJ, they're trying to provide some transparency around this to, you know, to, to assist because it's just rife with speculation. Now, there's a lot of misinformation, I'm sure, by the time they do get around to actually unsealing the, the affidavit. 
So that was the first part. The messaging's awful. It's kind of like what they did with the the, the this uh, whatever they want to call it, Inflation Reduction Act, where they they <laughs> suddenly announced that they're going to be increasing the size of the IRS by eighty billion dollars. Knowing what that looked like, knowing what the optic was, knowing what people would think in today's you know hyperpartisan world, and they again they didn't have a response for it for the first couple of days, and then it seemed like they okay now the Democratic operatives got their narrative out. So. I guess, you know, from my perspective, they should have known what this was going to look like. They should have known how what a firestorm they were going to be creating. And they should have been transparent from the very beginning to the degree that they're able. And they are able, like you pointed out, Merrick Garland yeah. is the attorney general. That may come as a surprise to him. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure there are some sour grapes that he's not sitting with a plum lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court, but he is the attorney general. That means there's really his boss is the president. So he shouldn't have to ask the current president about raiding the house of a past president who might become a future president. That is a massive conflict of interest. I'm sure the president signed off on it. I'm sure he knew about it. There's if if he didn't know about it, that might be an even bigger problem. Uh, but yeah, I, but Merrick Garland right. absolutely can define his own parameters in terms of what he says. And, you know, if you're more worried about messaging and plucking the right words to string together to rationalize uh, something this egregious, we I, I don't know how you get back to baseline. I really don't. I mean, things are so far gone that I don't know yeah. how you rein everything in, because in order to constrain the power, the, the spying power and, you know, the surveillance apparatus and the force of the FBI and the DOJ, you would have to have so many liberty-minded people, not just in Congress, but really in power. And we certainly don't have that. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's scary when people can, through politics, rationalize things that have always violated norms, like even the thought of them, but they rationalize them because if we can use this to do harm to people we disagree with, it's okay. If the shoe were on the other foot, you know, and I talk a lot about the political golden rule, if it's not okay for your opponent to do, it's not okay for you to do. But we're so far afield from that. And it's not Republican versus Democrat. It really is the state versus the individual. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the 87,000 new IRS agents who will be carrying guns, who will be asked to use deadly force in order to make you give the government your money. That is happening. So if, if they can use that force, if they can use that apparatus, if they can use the establishment to go after you know, uh, our last president, imagine what they can do to you when you don't have the media on your side, when you don't have a team of lawyers running interference and you don't have accountants that are helping you legally hide your earnings from the IRS. Right. Well, and that's you know, that that is really part of the, the, the problem that we've we've we're kind of working our way towards. And you point out, look, I don't know how we walk this dog back. And, and frankly, I don't know that we do, but I've spent most of my childhood and adult life overseas and in some pretty difficult uh, and challenging environments and have seen my fair share of third and fourth world banana republics where politicizing the intel apparatus, politicizing law enforcement, that's the standard practice. Give me an One example of that. For, for people who 
and they well, hear they hear yes. people allude to that this week. You know, this is a third world country. This is a banana republic. What what is an example of that? What what have you seen? Well, and as, as an example, what 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 typically will happen if you're in you can be in Mexico, you could be in. It, 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 it was Venezuela was a good example. Uh, you know, Greece in the old days, uh, the Philippines, where and, and, you know, pick a country in the sort of the North Africa, you know, rim. But when a new government comes in, all the civil service is dismissed, essentially. Right. Everybody's gone and they bring their own people in. And that includes within law enforcement, within the intel community. And that's a very, very dangerous game. And. It happens to this day. Look, I mean, you know, you, South Korea, look at that's, you know, every every time there's a new president, the previous president gets investigated, thrown in jail for some charge. And, you know, it just it goes on. It's this never ending cycle. And so we can't allow ourselves to get to that point. And, and the, you know, the, I think you know, maybe half the population believes we're at that point. But I think we still have a ways to go. There is there is you know, the possibility of, of, you know, pulling back on the stick, reining it all in and, and, you know, hopefully not getting there. But that would require, uh, you know, brave decisions and actions on the part of politicians. And I don't know that we're in that place anymore. So you look at this and maybe with this raid in Mar-a-Lago, we've heard both sides of the aisle. We've heard some real concern expressed by both sides. But when you scratch below that surface of the complaints, oh, my God, you know, what are they doing? And is this overreach? whether it's the Dems or Republicans, you know, it appears as if they're doing it for political purposes, right? There's just political gain there. They're not actually concerned about the federal overreach and what that could mean going forward. So, I, you know, I guess I'm sounding fairly cynical. This is, this is more disconcerting and not because, I mean, I, look, I'm not a Trumpian. I'm farthest from a Trumpian, right? I didn't vote for Trump either time. Me neither. Uh, you know, I, I, but I do, I will, I will give people credit for this. And this is what Brett Stevens kind of had to admit to in his mea culpa and the New York Times. I understood from the get-go why people were attracted to him. And I understood why people yeah. voted for him and why their support was so vociferous. And that is because he represents the wrecking ball uh, that would take on the establishment. And that's very, very attractive to people who have been taken advantage uh, by the state for a long, long time. You know, whether it's high taxes, high regulation, homelessness, diminished quality of life, the IRS coming after them, even though they don't make a lot of money, you know, we, we used to have a lot more audits in this country and we're going to have a lot more. And the IRS yes, is hell bent on putting the fear of God into people. And so they wanted someone to stand up for that because you're absolutely right. Like, and it wasn't just a partisan thing when it becomes partisan, it's even worse, but it's, it's this establishment protecting itself. And when Donald Trump came for the establishment, that was the most attractive thing people had seen in a politician in their lifetimes. Um, you know, yeah, his personality I, yeah. to a lot of people, very off-putting. You know, the idea that, that someone with that much power could be unstable, uh, that can be terrifying. But what he's up against is silent, and it's powerful, and it's deadly. And unless there was a body at that house, or unless he had a dirty bomb or a back channel to North Korea and Russia simultaneously and was chatting about overthrowing the government, there is nothing that they will find that will justify this raid. No, and I think that's the that's the problem we're looking at. I, I was 
thinking that perhaps Garland, with his statement, I think it lasted all of four minutes today, uh, was going to get out ahead of this by um, tamping down some of this talk about, well, this is this was about January 6th and this was about documents and maybe allude to the fact that there was more there. There was probable cause about something else. If this is just about the uh, archives and 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 documentation, which every presidential administration going back for a long time uh, has viewed much of what happens. More, you know, presidents have always viewed that paperwork as sort of personal, right? So whatever the letters are, or documents, they, they, you know, presidents always have these battles at the end of the day with the NRA over what is uh, and is not personal property and what is actually, you know, presidential record. So that's nothing new. But if this is just about that, yeah, God help us, because I, I don't see how you tamp down the, the firestorm that, that will be there. And I think all they've done, if that's the case, is almost guarantee that A, he's running again, and B, he'll likely win. This is Kennedy Saves the World. Don't go anywhere. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It's interesting because um, a friend of mine who works in D.C. media said, I think DeSantis knew about the raid. And I wanted to get your take on that because, you know, this is from a person who is left-leaning and, you know, Mm -hmm. wants there to be another layer of palace intrigue, which I don't think is necessary right now. And I don't think think there's any evidence that justifies uh, that postulation that DeSantis knew about it. You know, DeSantis knows who the informant is because, and, and maybe you can speak to this, but... Historically, federal law enforcement really doesn't have to answer to a governor or any state agencies. No, no, they would not have to be. Look, it's it's an example of just how bizarre of a world we live in. I mean, the information or or the supposed information, it's all basically misinformation that's just been flying around over the past 72 hours is stunning. And people are are saying it and talking about it as if it's fact. Right. And and this is like a, you know, a, a crime scene in a sense where, you know, after a major incident or whether it's a terrorist incident where you you really don't have the facts immediately, but people want to talk about it, you know, um, in a very definitive manner. And really, at at a certain point, you have to step back and say, well, it's an investigation. We don't have the facts. So everything's speculation. But that's some pretty crazy speculation to think that they would have gone and gotten DeSantis's nod or at least advised him. They were under no obligation to advise uh, anybody. Uh, you know, about this uh, outside of the, the DOJ reporting line. Now, obviously, I agree with you. I think the president, you can't do something like this without advising the White House that it's going to take place because of its, its it, the fact that it just broke such precedent. So I, I think, you know, if the White House is claiming and they're actually serious about the fact that they didn't have a clue that this was coming down the pike, that is stunning all by itself. And apparently they had no idea that the Garland was going to be making a statement. So I suspect the delay was the White House contacting Garland and asking, you know, could you give us at least a heads up as to what you're about to say? The whole administration is so disjointed. You know, you just think about the response from Nancy Pelosi and the president and the Pentagon before she went to Taiwan. They were on three different pages. And it's it's scary when, you know, those actions can have massive ramifications. And also, you know, they were saying that whatever he had could be a national security threat. 
well, making a pointed political an attack on a former president using the FBI and DOJ, that is a sign of of great weakness in this country. And and that is almost an invitation to our enemies to exploit those fault lines, which is obviously something that didn't occur to anyone who was planning this. And if the idea is, one, first do political harm, and second, find anything that ties him to January 6th that makes him criminally liable, you know, not knowing if something like that was in there and and really mm-hmm. going on that, that clumsy fishing expedition, um, it, it really makes our federal government look so laughably stupid. So it seems like from the get-go with this administration, they've been batting cleanup on on pretty much everything that happens. So whether it's a foreign policy concern and out trots John Kirby to say, you know, what we really meant to say was the following, or whether they're, they're you know, having someone to roll out and bat cleanup on, you know, some misunderstanding that on a domestic issue, it's been consistent with, with the Biden administration. So I know a lot of, you know, people will say, well, messaging isn't important, but it is important because we're in a very hyper-partisan time. And we have to be very careful and understand how serious it is when you have a significant amount of the population that really questions the legitimacy or the credibility of the rule of law or the Department of Justice or the Bureau or whatever, and thinking that there's two sets of rules, you know, one for them, one for us. That's a very dangerous place to be. None of it is good. We need more answers. I love your analysis and clarity. I love having you on my Fox Business show. You're the man that we need on that wall, Baker. Will you ever run for president? (laughs) No, I will not, because I'm not crazy enough to go through that process. But having said that, if they could do campaign finance reform and they could do term limits, I bet you we'd get a lot better pool of candidates out there interested in running and putting themselves forward. But until we do that, I think there are a lot of wonderful people out there that are not stepping up because they look at the system and they think it's just far too dysfunctional. I'm not putting myself and my family through that. So I'm going to sit on the sidelines. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Or psych cognitive competency tests. Do it all. Whoever is crazy enough to want that job, they're now getting a battery of tests because we have to keep these nut bars uh, away from money and power. Mike Baker, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Uh, Of course, Kennedy. Thank you. Take care. He's a legend in every form. This has been Kennedy Saves the World. I'm Kennedy. For more podcasts from my friends at Fox, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear Podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.